Bad boy good. Bad boy good. If all was even, like if you put both the players in the same team with the same coach, with the same wide receivers, offensive line, everything all even, I still take Baker Mayfield over Patrick Mahomes. Now it's time for the two-on-one, a fantasy football podcast, the official podcast of the Super Friends League. Bad boy good. Boy good. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the two-on-one fantasy football podcast. I'm your commish, Tommy Moe, bringing you this very special draft recap episode that was originally supposed to be a single episode, but we went a little bit long with our special guest on today's show, and so we decided to split up and make this episode a two-parter. So now let's jump right into the Commissioner's Corner with part one of our draft recap. The Commissioner's Corner. All right, everyone, we have a very special guest on the Commissioner's Corner today, the one and only Mike Tagliere from the Fantasy Pros website and one of our all-time favorite podcasts, the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. Tags, welcome to the two-on-one. Thanks for having me on the show. I I appreciate it. And, you know, we talked a little bit off the air and uh, you guys got a cool backstory. So it's always, uh, I remember the days where you're at. So I am super psyched to, to be on a show like this. Well, you know, if we, you know, one day can get up to your level, definitely to say we made it. <laughs> just keep grinding, man. Seriously, <laughs> just keep like that. That's all I did. Like, there's no really secret to it. It's just, it's just work hard and, and stay with it, man. I love it, and I feel like that's uh, what I hear too from so many people that have turned their passions into their careers. You know, they just keep grinding at it. They they love to do it, and they just keep doing it. And one day, it pays off for them. Yeah, for sure. There was, a, I remember like, so like going back years and I, I remember go, like thinking to myself, I was like, I want someone to be able to invite me on a podcast and not have to look at my notes or anything and just be able yeah. to ramp all the stats that I want to. And, um, I eventually got to that point where it's like now looking at show sheets, I really try not to look at them to be honest with you, because I feel like it's, I feel like I'll sound too scripted where I yeah. would rather just like roll with it and let's just talk some football. Yeah. I love that. So, you know, before we get started, uh, Steve, our, our host, couldn't be here with us for this interview. So uh, he had one question for you. Have you tried butter on your pizza yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. I, I lost that bet and um, I have not tried it. We're going to do something, I think, with our our video guys and we're going to put it on YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff where I have to eat it. Bobby's like, he thinks I'm going to actually like it. He's like, it shouldn't <laughs> be considered a punishment because it's like really good. I don't know. I'm I'm weirded by it because I like pizza as it is, and I think just putting another layer of grease essentially on top of it doesn't right. just it doesn't sound too appealing. But uh, fortunately, I don't have to. Uh, I, Bobby just lost the bet, so we had a for the NFL draft. We had a mock draft competition. Whoever got a better score, the other the loser had to dye their mustache blonde like Antonio Brown did, and um, go you know go out in public, take some pictures and whatnot. So Bobby's going to have to do that relatively soon. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, and it's one thing to put butter on your crust. I've definitely seen that. Yeah. Um, but but people have a hard time putting like pineapple on their pizza. So let alone butter. I, I don't know. I'm not too sure about that. I don't even know how he came up with that. I, I'm just going <laughs> to I'm going to leave that weird stuff to Bobby. <laughs> so, you know, to jump right into it with with the NFL draft, uh, you know, just what was your overall reaction? Did were you surprised at the, the amount of defense alignment that went in round one or how many wide receivers dropped out of the first round? Stuff like that. Yeah, I was a little shocked about the wide receivers dropping as far as they did. Um, in, in regards to, you know, someone actually tweeted me the day after the, uh, after day one and they said, on a scale from one to 10, how surprised are you, you know, in the first round? And I was like, honestly, it was kind of like a, a three. I wasn't too surprised. Like, I, yeah. I know everybody was shocked by Clellan Farrell. I wasn't. Um, I had been talking about Clellan Farrell and I, I love going on Twitter. And seeing people say things like, oh, get out of here. Nobody had Clellan <laughs> Farrell uh, at number four to the Raiders. And I had him there to the Raiders in like my first three mock drafts. So like all my listeners and followers, they came to my rescue and said, well, he did. So I love Clellan Farrell. I think it was a fantastic pick. Could they have traded back? I guess. Um, but where are you going to trade back to and guarantee that you still get a player like that? Because a lot right. of people, they do value edge rushers. And it's something we talked about in our podcast. And I said... I feel like the, the fantasy industry as a whole or, you know, just the, the NFL analyst industry was lower on Clellan Farrell than I thought NFL teams would be because he's a three down player that can stay on the field versus the run versus the pass. He's just solid in every aspect of the game. So Mike Mayock making that pick made me smile from ear to ear. 
like I said, there were there were a few uh, things that I didn't expect the receivers to drop as far as they did, just because the NFL is a passing game, and I figured a lot of teams would kind of take a chance. You know, like the Falcons last year, nobody expected yeah. them to. You know, they had Julio Jones. Why would you take a wide receiver in the first round? And you know, Calvin Ridley took the pressure off Julio, and they mm-hmm. kind of they it's like the whole yin yang thing. It's like you, you you double one, we're gonna kill you with this guy. And I thought more teams were gonna start sliding towards that, but unfortunately, it just didn't happen. But yeah, the Colin Farrell thing, I mean, I, I was listening to your guys' uh, mock draft episode, and when I heard that, it was the first time I had heard that. I know you had mocked it before, but it was the mm-hmm. first time I heard it, and it really made sense. I was I was surprised, but it made sense, you know, and he fits yep. the scheme. He yep. fits what Paul Gunther's trying to do, and and, he, and the guy's a winner. You know, he could have came out last year in the draft and decided to go back to Clemson another year, win another national championship. And and so the guy has that character. And I think that's what the Raiders were really trying to go for was those high character guys. And I think they really got him in the first round. And, you know, the two on one crew, we're, we're all Raider fans. So we were super hyped about their three first round picks. And and yeah, right when that pick happened, I, you know, I was one of the guys that that tweet at you. It was just that, that you called it. That was the pick. And and for everyone to be so shocked, I was like, no, tags called that the whole time. <laughs> you should have listened to it. You should have known he knew it was a great pick because I think you're right. You know, I think they got their guy. And and if they did try to trade back, you know, maybe just no one was really offering what they wanted. And, mm-hmm. and so you just have to stick with your guy and get him. And I know Josh Allen and Ed Oliver were were the sexy picks for, for the Raiders at that position. But I think, you know, Farrell is going to be a great fit for that scheme. Yeah, I, I really feel like he's 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 best suited for a four three, and I know that some people think that that's overrated. I'm not one of those people. I do think that certain players can play in either or a three four or four three. But Colin Farrell is definitely a defensive end. He's not going to be standing up playing outside linebacker. You would have, yeah. to, and you don't. I don't. I just feel like you don't want someone like him in a three four. I, I just don't feel like he would be best suited for that. Whereas someone like Josh Allen, I think he's better as an outside linebacker. I don't think yeah. he's strong enough. Um, there, there, there were some warning signs about him and I actually like Cullen Farrell and Montez sweat better than Josh Allen. So mm-hmm. that made me happy. Um, you know, if only, you know, the, the sense that I used to, for Cullen Farrell to go to Oakland, if only the, the Arizona Cardinals would have, uh, made sense with their draft of Kyler Murray. Honestly, after <laughs> Kyler Murray, I felt like the draft went really well for them. I think that yeah. they were a team that I, I walked away saying they had a really good draft, but it's just, it feels bad because I, I don't know. I, <laughs> would you rather have Bosa and then what they had? And then on top of that, you know, um, you have Josh Rosen. You didn't have to give away anything. It, it just, right. I, I can get into so many tangents here about why Josh Rosen. And it's not to say Josh Rosen is not going to be a competent NFL quarterback or he's not, or he's going to be great. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that he didn't get a fair shake last year. Yeah. And it, it, the parallels, it was so funny because we took a road trip down to the NFL draft and my wife in the car, she's asking me, about Kyler Murray, about the number one pick. Why do I think that, you know, they shouldn't go Kyler Murray? And uh, I went into this thing and I explained it to her, the parallels between someone like Kyler Murray and or Josh Rosen and someone like Jared Goff are so similar. You know, both are like, you know, Goff was the number one pick, but uh, top 10 picks in the NFL yeah. draft. You know, they had defensive or well, <laughs> Jeff Fisher. I don't even want, I don't even want to call him a defensive minded <laughs> coach, but he wasn't, he definitely wasn't an offensive mind. Right. Bad head coach. Offensive line was uh, a little bit shoddy, no wide receivers to throw to. And then, so what did they do? They went out the Arizona Colonels. They went and got, a, you know, their, their young head coach. They got their Sean McVay. They brought him in. And uh, <laughs> I, I just like, I sigh because it, uh, Kyler Murray might succeed, but I feel like they never gave Josh Rosen a fair shake. And therefore you set the franchise back for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and, and to not trade them before the draft uh, yeah. to get possibly some better assets for it. You know, they put their cards on the table, you know, when they drafted Kyler Murray and left Rosen there. And, and and we all played football in college. That's kind of like our thing for our podcast is, you know, we had that real world experience. And so I, I didn't think that it would be too out of the realm of possibility for for them to keep both and have them compete and kind of do a similar thing with Baker Mayfield and Tyler Tyrod Taylor last year and have them compete and you know but still kyler eventually take over but you know drafting number one definitely shook well it shook things up in the sense that i think it worked out perfectly for all the teams after that that you know san francisco getting nick bosa quinn williams you know farrell all, all the guys that got lined up um right. because kyler murray got selected first it kind of worked out for the rest of the the, the picks 
Yeah, the 49ers were probably jumping up and down because it's like run up to the run up to the podium and select Bosa and you know we're we're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then that bleacher report came out like right before. And then for me, I was trying still trying to put out my mock draft article and it definitely changed everything. You know, I had to move everyone around at the last minute and it didn't really make sense. You know, so the fact that he went first, I was like, okay, cool. The rest of it will work out now how we all think it's gonna work out. And yeah, I, I think um Raiders definitely had a had a great first round and and you know, kicking off with Farrell, I think is a great pick. Yeah, and Farrell, like you, you mentioned, he's a winner. Like you look at their draft, they had Farrell, they had Josh Jacobs, then they selected Hunter Renfro later. Oh, they 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 had Trayvon Mullen too. Yeah. So, oh, I, I thought Trayvon was a great pick in the second round. I mean, it's yeah. like Clemson, Clemson, and uh, Clemson's pro team now in the NFL. Yeah, that's basically and and you another team that you look at like that and their defense is rather improved uh, is uh, Washington. So mm-hmm. they've been bringing in Alabama players nonstop, and uh, it was funny because Bobby asked me that while we were on our NFL draft trip. Uh, he's like, what NFL team has the most players from uh, one school? And I was like, I'm going to go with Washington. He's like, you've heard this question before. And I was like, no, I, I really haven't. But I found it interesting when I was looking at their roster, like analyzing depth charts. And I realized how many players from their defense were actually from Alabama. Like you just start looking for it and you're like, holy cow, they're trying to build Alabama's defense. And yeah. and because of that, their defense is getting a lot better. Well, and and those guys are proven, you know, Alabama, Clemson, they're yep. they're pretty much an NFL college. You know, they're they're playing against other NFL talent that's gonna be all first round picks in the NFL. So yep. yeah, I think it's a safe uh, model to go by, you know, uh, going for the uh, the SEC players and you know, just build it up from there. Yeah, and I think Mayock knows that, and that's why and Mike Mayock's a, a pretty sharp guy. So I feel a lot better about this draft that the Raiders had than I did last year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and 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 I like that. At least on Twitter, um, as a Raider fan, I could you know hold my head high because I know so many people just thought Mike Mayak was going to mess up this draft and do a terrible job. And I was like, no way. There's no way Mike Mayak. He's the best at at talent evaluation, and so that's the only reason he's there, right? Is for the draft to pick it, pick the best players. And yeah, I, I think he did a great job. And like you said, Hunter Renfro later. I think it was awesome. Uh, Foster Moreau from from LSU. I mean, they definitely found some some depth and uh, some good skill players. Sure. So, uh, so who do you think? Uh, I guess you know we're kind of talking about it already, but who do you think were the best picks in the draft? You know, from from the perspective of you know where they landed or or which teams really got their guy. Uh, one player that I, I I tweeted out something about it today is like when I was going through and doing the draft grades for every team. Uh, one player, and I, I remember because I kept like asking people because like when you're at the draft, it's like you have trouble like hearing everything and the screens sometimes are obstructed and there, there's so much stuff going on that you're just like, wait, did this, does this guy's name get called? And I just didn't hear it. Chauncey yeah. Gardner Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. He's, he's a, he's kind of like a hybrid. He kind of like reminds me of a Minka Fitzpatrick type player where it's like, he can play anywhere on the field. Um, you ideally would have him as some sort of like a uh, playing the nickel or you'd have him in a safety role where he's somewhat of a hybrid. And I, I felt like he was just a solid all around player. Like, Rocky Sin got drafted relatively early in the draft because he's a solid all-around player. Byron Murphy got drafted because he's a solid player. You know, he right. was was the end of first or beginning of second. Um, but Gardner Johnson going to the Saints in the fourth round was a steal. Like that was that was one of those things in the draft where it's like, man, like I, I want NFL teams to look back and be like, how do we miss on this guy? Because right. I'm not, I, I didn't miss. I, I feel like I didn't miss on him. I like him a lot, and that was probably the steal of the draft for me. Yeah, there's definitely a few players uh, after day one that were surprised were still on the board. And then a lot of the guys that I think, you know, had some first round talk in the offseason going in the fourth round, like Chauncey Gardner and also Hakeem Butler, you know, another guy that mm-hmm. a lot of people, especially on Twitter, were super high on. But, you know, I think it worked out for the Cardinals to be able to pick him up in the fourth round. Yeah, for sure. And I I I was waiting for Butler to come off the board. I thought he'd come off earlier. And, and me personally, I... Knowing their offense and what they actually needed, I would have rather had Hakeem Butler than Andy Isabella. And granted, they took mm-hmm. his earlier than him. And yeah. that pick still surprises me. I don't think that that was a very good pick and in terms of where he went. I don't think he's like a terrible football player, but I don't think he's going to come in and change your offense. And, you know, drafting him where they did in the second round, ahead of a guy like DK Metcalf, I think that's a mistake. Yeah, you know, he had a great college career and a ton of production, but we all know Production isn't necessarily the key. Production in college isn't necessarily going to translate into NFL production right away. Right. That's that's basically what it comes down to. And, and like he didn't look very good at the Senior Bowl either. So I don't know. I, I'm not like I said. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but to take a chance on him in, in the second round, if he's like a fourth rounder, it's like okay. Maybe even if you want to talk about third, it's like okay. Who fell? 
who yeah. fell to where it's like, you know, who are we deciding between? But there were some good wide receivers on the board still. Yeah. Well, and then if, you know, if we could talk Cardinals really quick, I mean, I think a lot of people are saying they had a really good draft. I agree. I think they did get a lot of skill positions to help their team, but the biggest area need of need that they didn't address was the offensive line. So, yeah. you know, what I, one thing I've been wondering, I need to, you know, dive into a little bit more is, is if this air raid style of offense that Cliff Kingsbury is going to bring, you know, do they really need good offense alignment or can they make it work with just so, so offense alignment and all this talent around them? I believe that NFL is one in the trenches a lot of the times. And then yeah. you have like from there, you have the quarterback that's the most important player in the field. And obviously you need a competent quarterback to get it done. Guys like Aaron Rodgers can mask things. He could, he can make it so that you don't have to draft wide receivers in the first two days of the draft, which they have not like they haven't yeah. done since like forever. Um, but someone like Kyler Murray, this is where I believe he's also going to be set up to fail. Like granted, he has some of, you know, he's got a lot of pass catchers now. They have Fitzgerald for another year or two. They have Christian Kirk, uh, Isabella Butler, Keyshawn Johnson. But my issue with Murray and when, when watching him and doing my scouting report on him was that he doesn't see things. He doesn't anticipate things at all. Um, basically, he needs to see it to throw it. And that's not that's a problem when you have an offensive line like he does. Granted, they, get, they went and got Marcus uh, Gilbert from the Steelers, which helps. But he's a right tackle. He's not protecting your blind side. You have DJ yeah. Humphreys over there. Your interior of the line is, is mediocre at best. Yeah. Mason Cole was a bust, you know, for his rookie season. It's not to say that he can't get better, but. Your offensive line is nowhere near what it was at Oklahoma. You're not going to be able to just sit back there in comfort. Granted, he's got some mobility. Yes, he can he can hide some of the issues with the offensive line. And I think that's what a lot of people are are relying on. But when you watch Kyler Murray, like it, like after this, if you have a listener to the show right now, go and watch some Kyler Murray and watch when he throws the ball. There is no anticipation. He's waiting till his wide receiver is open before he throws that ball. And when you have an offensive line like that, it's going to be a real problem. And he doesn't have a Marquise Brown who mm-hmm. just like literally, if you buy a few seconds, he's going to get open. Um, so there's there's a lot of things about Kyler Murray and why I don't believe he was worth the 101 pick. Like when you're taking a, a player there, they need to be a can't miss player. You can't right. afford to miss on that because if Kyler Murray doesn't pan out in the NFL, you literally your your franchise is wrecked. Like there's no other way f- to describe it. You guys have just ruined it. You've traded away mul- you've put traded away first round picks for Josh Rosen, then you spent a 101 on Kyler Murray when you know Bosa was on the board, when Quinton Williams was on the board. So it's just yeah, I'm a little yeah. worried about Kyler Murray behind that offensive line. Yes. Well, and in, in Oklahoma, you know, they had two NFL caliber the offensive linemen that went in the draft, you know, and uh, and Cody Ford and Juice Mia. So he definitely had some really good offensive linemen protecting them, you know, and, and going to to the Cardinals. Yeah, they, I'm, I'm hoping that they bring in some guys before the start of season. I think they need to, you know, but um, I'm not sure who's available out there. You know, that's really a big name. That's really going to turn it around. But tackles are hard to find. That's why you see teams spending first round picks on them. Like offensive tackle is like the hardest position to find right now. There's a shortage of talented tackles in the NFL. So it's going to be tough for them to find them. Well, we'll see. We'll see uh, how the air raid translates to the NFL. And um, it's looking good, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, so for me, uh, the surprise pick of the first round, and I think for many people, was Daniel Jones. But I also thought Titus Howard to the Texans was a little bit interesting just because besides you guys, um, <laughs> not too many people had him that high, you know, and the Texans definitely needed a line and help. But, but yeah, can, I guess, why were you and Bobby so high on, uh, on Titus? I didn't necessarily have him too high on my board. Like, I didn't think that he was like a, a guy that should have gone in the first round, but like it's reading the tea leaves when it comes to players like him. Um, he was one of those guys that, I just started looking because I'll look into pro visits and in order to try and help, you know, figure out the mock draft process. And uh, he was a guy that met with 24 of 32 NFL teams mm-hmm. for the draft. And that's just like, that's unreal. That's, that's crazy that everybody's showing interest in you. There is a short of shortage of offensive tackles in the league. A lot of people consider this guy very raw in terms of like he, he hasn't reached his ceiling yet. Whereas someone like Greg little has stunted in his growth. Yeah. And Greg little, I think was a bad pick in the second round. I don't like him. I didn't like, if you would have, if you would have never known that Greg Little was like so highly recruited out of high school and you just watched his 2018 film, you would be like, this guy, he might be drafted. Like that's yeah. basically how you walk away feeling about him. So I just want to see progression. I think a lot of people see some growth in Titus Howard. Um, so that was me reading the tea leaves. I don't have him graded as a first round talent right now. I had him either second or third round. Um, but I wasn't surprised to see him go there. 
Yeah, and, and to see him go, uh, you know, Greg Little, going ahead of Greg Little wasn't too surprising, but going ahead of guys like Jawan Taylor um, mm-hmm. kind of surprised me a lot. Yeah, that was that was crazy to see Jawan Taylor fall <laughs> all the way down to the Jags in the second round when most people thought he would go to them in the first round. He was one of the guys that I I would have locked into the first round. Yeah, and, and, and to the Jags would have been a great fit in the first round, too. For sure. <laughs> um, so were there any other surprise picks for you in this draft? Uh, there was a lot. I mean, if you go further down the draft board, like the, you know, the 49ers selecting a punter in the fourth round, Crazy. that team, it, <laughs> you guys, it's not like you have, you know, the bears, I'm fortunate enough to say this right now, but the bears are a very well-rounded team. Um, they don't necessarily have a whole ton of needs. Uh, so they can afford to take some, you know, um, some, some positions they don't necessarily need. Uh, the 49ers, you guys, your depth chart, if Jason Verrett doesn't pan out at corner, you're stuck with a Kella Witherspoon. Richard German's going to retire soon. Kawan Williams is very hit or miss. And behind them, Tavarius Moore, Greg Maben, like, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, yeah, I just felt like that was a terrible pick. And a head scratcher for me, the Patriots selecting um, Damian Harris in the third round. That didn't make much sense because he kind of does similar things to what they're using Sony Michelle as. Mm-hmm. And a couple other running backs, Travion Williams, I wasn't high on him, but Travion Williams and Rodney Anderson for the Bengals. I, I don't get it. <laughs> you have Gio Bernard for one more year. Okay, I get it. Drafting a running back to take over for him. But Rodney Anderson is like the handcuff where Travion is more like a, I viewed him as like somewhat of a timeshare running back. I just don't know what they're going to do with both those guys. I just feel like increase your your odds at other positions that you needed. Just because you drafted a guy in the fourth round doesn't mean he's going to pan out. Like right. take another one in the sixth round instead of taking two running backs, a, a position that I'm not a, a guy that says running backs don't matter but I am a guy that says they matter just a little bit. Like they're not going to literally change the outlook of your team. You could find them as free agents. J.H.I. is still out there. Uh, T.J. Yeldon was out there for way too long. And to, to spend six round picks on those guys, take a corner, take a, a defensive tackle, take an offensive lineman, do something else. Well, that's what I'm almost thinking. Like even just looking at their draft, like, Maybe those guys were like still, you know, they were surprised they're still available, you know, and, and high on their list. And, and mm-hmm. so they decided to take them because I like the rest of their draft. I mean, I think Jonah Williams is a great addition uh, mm-hmm. to their offensive line, you know, and getting another backup tight end, uh, linebacker and, and Ryan Finley. I mean, you know, eventually you're going to have to replace uh, Andy Dalton sometime or at least have a pretty decent backup. Isn't Ryan Finley like the same guy though? <laughs> basically, right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so the Jonah Williams pick, I love it. And I really, I actually almost mocked him to the, the Bengals, but I don't understand what some of the teams did. Like the Falcons, they, they signed two guards in free agency. They paid him a lot of money. And then they go and draft Chris Lindstrom at yeah. number 14. And then the Bengals, like, believe me, this makes all the sense. And I love Jonah Williams there to them at 11. But they traded for a Cordy Glenn last year. He's getting paid a lot of money to play left tackle. Jonah Williams, I mean, okay, you move him to right tackle, but you re-signed Bobby Hart and paid him a lot of money, even though he's not good at football. I just don't know what the Bengals are doing as an organization right now. Um, it's just, they did have a lot of needs and, you know, getting screwed out of Devin Bush, because that was one of the highlights of the first round. Pittsburgh trading up right in front of Cincinnati. Oh, right in front of them. That would have been a great fit. Yeah, Bush is like, he was like as close as you can get to a can't miss player in this draft. Yeah, both the Devons. I mean, they, yeah. I, I think they're going to be great in this NFL, with the, especially mm-hmm. with the new type of linebacker, the new type of NFL linebacker. Yep. You know, they're a little bit smaller, but they can run and they can make plays. They're not like, you know, amazing, huge hitters, not Brian Erlackers and Ray Lewis's anymore, but, but right. I think these guys have what it takes. Yeah, and Devin Bush, I I watched him like the the first time I saw him because I always go through the offensive players first, and like I watched a game between the, the uh, Michigan and Ohio State, and I saw Devin Bush literally go stride for stride almost with Paris Campbell. Now he, Campbell outran him a little bit, but Bush was with him like he wasn't very far off. So when he ran as he did in the, in the forty, uh, I wasn't that shocked because Devin Bush plays so fast, and he's got the attitude you want in a linebacker too. Like he doesn't shy away from contact at all. Right. He doesn't care that he's short, a little bit shorter, or a little bit undersized, like or whatever. He's going to hit you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the Bears. Um, I- I'm assuming that's your favorite team being from Chicago and all that. It is. That's my team. I, I stand by them, even though, you know, there's been some bad decisions. I, I, I feel like that we've headed in the right direction. And um, I am not a fair weather fan. I am not someone that will kiss their butt and tell them they always did good. But um you know, I didn't like the hire of John Fox. I was okay with Ryan Pace. I was okay with trading up for Trubisky because that was their guy. And Pace was willing to attach his name to 
basically to Trubisky and said, this is my guy and I'm going to go down with him if he's not good. And yeah. um, Matt Nagy was, oh God, it was such a good hire. He's like, he's like the opposite of Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know that some people are excited about Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm sorry if you are, um, but <laughs> I have an issue with a guy that needs a certain quarterback to fit his scheme. Um, when you have a coach like Matt Nagy in his introductory press conference for the Bears, someone, one of the beat reporters asked him, they said, what are, what are your expectations for the team? You know, like, where do you see this team? He's like, that's really an unfair question. I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch this team. You know, I need to find out what my player strengths are, what they can do, what they can't do. And, you know, work my system around that. I'm not going to force a player into my system, you know, like, yeah. you know, it's job to find out what they do best. And, you know, it's Ryan's job to bring in the guys that he thinks are the most talented. And um, that's what a coach should be doing. And that's what I think Bill Belichick does so well. It's what I think that like Sean Payton with his offense, he does so well. And these guys, Andy Reid is such a good coach and um, you know, he hasn't gotten it done in the big stage, but Guys that try and force players into their scheme, it's never going to work. Yeah. You, you have to be able to. And that's, it was so weird to hear Kingsbury say that, like, you know, in regards to, oh, Murray fits my system better. We need to do that. But then again, he already kicked out Baker Mayfield. I know he moved on to Patrick Mahomes. I know. Right. But <laughs> Baker Mayfield. And this, is this a hot take? I'm going to, I'll ask you, because one of my Twitter followers, I told him the other day, I said, if all was even, like if you put both the players in the same team with the same coach, with the same wide receivers, offensive line, everything, all even, I still take Baker Mayfield over Patrick Mahomes. Oh, wow. I think that's a hot take. Yeah, it, I, that's what that's what he said. He's like, you're crazy. And I was just <laughs> like, I'm, I'm unwilling to say that one year made me like, I think Patrick Mahomes is in for some serious regression. And yeah. I, I think he's a good quarterback, but I think there's going to be a lot more mistakes that people don't see. Well, and, and I'm jumped into a few dynasty startups, uh, this year and, you know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing Patrick Mahomes and, and Superflex leagues going, you know, as the, as the second overall pick and, mm -hmm. and in single quarterback leagues, uh, still, you know, I think as high as I've seen is in the second round. And yep. I, I get it, you know, I, I, I get it, but, but even you wouldn't, no one selected Patrick Mahomes this high last year, you know, so it's just, he, I don't think he's going to do exactly the same things that yep. he did last year, especially without Tyreek Hill. If he not have Tyreek like, Hill, that's a problem. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And, and, and I know he was a league winner for a lot of guys. And, um, you know, a lot of people were fortunate enough to either get him really late or get him off the waiver wire. But yeah, it, it just kind of as good as he is. And I still think he has all the talent. I just don't think he's going to be as good as he was last year. Right. And I mean, it's, that, that's when I tell people they're not comparing apples to apples. It's like Baker had Hugh Jackson and then Freddie Kitchens, the first time OC. And, you know, uh, he was thrown into the starting lineup into the, into week four. Uh, his starting receiver is Jarvis Landry. He's not a perimeter player. I don't really care. Anybody says he's not. Um, Antonio Callaway dropping balls left and right. He didn't have a starting left tackle. Um, like there, there were a lot of issues with that team. He never played with Josh Gordon. Where it's like mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes had the dream scenario. He sat back for a year. He learned the offense, which I love it when quarterbacks get to do that. Yeah. Got Andy Reid, one of the best coaches of our generation. And then he walks in there with Tyree Kill, with Sammy Watkins, with Travis Kelsey, with Kareem Hunt. Offensive line is, 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 is solid. You know, and it, that's where it's just like, I, I just wish people would stop for a second and say, coaching really does matter quite a bit. And, you know, the talent around you, uh, you can't be mad if you're Patrick Mahomes and what you had. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think it's a little bit of an old, a little bit of an old school mentality, you know, of, of getting the quarterback and having them sit and having them learn. But it's been proven time and time again to work. You know, sure. Aaron Rodgers did it and look what happened. You know, Patrick Mahomes did it and look what happened. Yep. That's, I, I wasn't a fan of Mitch Trubisky playing under John Fox because I knew he was going to get fired. And some people said it's good for his experience, but I also think it could ruin a quarterback's confidence if they're not strong mentally. And yeah. I, and I'm not going to sit here and speculate about, about what quarterback is strong mentally. It's, it's really tough when you're that age. I just know that knowing what I know now, you know, I'm how old am I? I'm 36 now. And when I was <laughs> thinking back to when I was 20, you know, my younger twenties, it's like, you're a kid. Like you don't know anything about the world that you think you do. Um, like as much as you think you do, you yeah. really don't. And like things just become, they come into perspective a lot more. So it's just really tough, you know, especially with those guys that are coming out of college and they're used to have everything going their way. They're used to having everything like given to them and it's really tough. And that's what I'm saying. That's impossible for someone to predict. So I like the fact that, you know, like Drew Locke, I'm not necessarily a big mm -hmm. fan of him, but I think it's great that he's going to go sit and just, observe for a little bit i think haskins should observe case keenum for a little bit and just kind of you know go through practice learn the speed of the nfl because it's a lot different 
Yeah. Well, even look at Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, like mm-hmm. he had to sit behind the goat and now he's the man in San Francisco, you know, and yep. barely played any games, but they just <laughs> you could tell, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, um, I, I know from a fancy perspective, you know, fans definitely don't get excited about that or, or, or devalue, you know, a quarterback because they might just be sitting or not starting right away. But, you know, especially for dynasty purposes, if you can just hang on to that, that, that player for a couple of years, you know, they might mm-hmm. turn into a gem. Yeah, for uh, sure. So were, were you pretty happy about the Bears picks? I mean, like I said, we're, we're all Raider fans. So thank you for, for our first round pick this year and next year. <laughs> um, but thank you for the little yeah, well, yeah, you know, we'll we'll take the cap space and, and the picks, but, <laughs> but David Montgomery has the first pick. That's that's pretty sweet. You know, it, it's really a bittersweet thing for me because, like, David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs, I went back and forth in, in regards to which one was my number one running back in this class. So, obviously, getting uh, Montgomery a couple rounds later, I'm happy with. But I um I don't I, I I'm I don't want to say I loved it. I love the player, and I, I think he's going to be just perfectly fine in Matt Nagy's offense. Things are going to be great. But did I think it was necessary to trade, to trade up to take mm-hmm. him? No, I didn't. I think Mike Davis, with the, you know, signing him in free agency, two years, $6 million, a little bit more with incentives, having Tariq Cohen to sign a three down running back did never made much sense to me. Cause it's like David Montgomery, I, I think he's a little bit lacking in, in, as a pass catcher. And that's why Jacobs and him kind of went back and forth. Cause I think that Montgomery is the best pure runner, whereas Jacobs is the best all around back. And, but so if if you were to draft someone like Josh Jacobs or Miles Sanders, like a three down back and then put him in the Bears offense, it's like, are you going to take away Tariq Cohen and what he does best? No, you don't want to limit his touches. So I felt like Mike Davis was fine, competent enough. And I was happier with Mike Davis than I was Jordan Howard. I'm not one of those Bears fans that was mad. They traded Jordan Howard for a six round pick. I don't care. Jordan Howard looked like he was running through mud in this offense. He can't run out of the shotgun. Like he, he needs a head start. He needs a fullback in front of him. He needs to be like basically just running in his own scheme. David Montgomery will create yardage on his own. Like that's the type of running back he is. And they have Tariq Cohen, who's a phenomenal receiver. They have a lot of receiving threats. Anthony Miller be healthy in year two. Um, Trubisky second year in the, in the offense. I felt like there were, there were strides in the right direction for him. Am I willing to say that he's a locked in stud? No, but I, I saw things that, he does things in the football field you, you you can't teach, and that that's always a good starting point. So um, I feel good about the Bears, and I'm I'm okay with their with with David Montgomery. I'm not especially I'm not like super psyched in terms of like what it's going to do for the team because as I mentioned, I don't think running backs matter that much. But for fantasy, like if you want to tell me you want to draft David Montgomery uh, number one one hundred two in your rookie draft, you, you go right ahead and do it because that's probably what I'd do. Yeah, I can see it definitely, and and I guess what I was worried about at first was that they were re- essentially replacing Jordan Howard with Howard with David Montgomery, you know, a similar type of player. Um, and I've personally have not been that down on Jordan Howard just from the fact that I feel like he's a really good like real life running back. I mean, not necessarily a good fit for that scheme, but he's a really good running back in the NFL. He's just not a great fantasy running back. You know, he doesn't put up the yards and uh, the consistent. Uh, carries that, that you would hope as a as, well not necessarily a bell cow but as you would yeah. hope for a, a running back one but yeah i mean david montgomery going there i think he definitely beat out mike davis and and i know there's a lot of mike davis truthers out there on twitter and yeah. i know they were kind of hating life <laughs> once they got david <laughs> montgomery i'm i actually i <laughs> i wrote an article today actually and um I, I will tell you this. So under the it's risers and fallers post draft and, and it says Mike Davis is in here, obviously. And it goes March 13th through April 26th was an exciting time for Davis owners. as He appeared <laughs> to be locked in as the Bears starting running back. And then obviously things change and they're not he's not going to start. Um, but uh, yeah, it's Jordan Howard is he's a, he's a solid running back, but he's not great in today's NFL. And I say yeah. that because the NFL He's too predictable, especially for someone in, in this offense. Like he, um, he can't catch passes, and I know that's overrated sometimes in terms of what running backs can and can't do in the passing game. I legitimately watched Jordan Howard drop five passes in one game. It's not good. Yeah, it's not good. You're not going to survive in the NFL for long doing that. No, and that's why you saw the Eagles draft a running back too. Yeah. Uh, well, how about that second uh, pick in the fourth round, Riley Ridley? Riley Ridley, eh, I, I love his brother. <laughs> I, I'll trade him for Calvin. Um, I love Calvin coming out, even though he didn't have the size. I told people to look past that. Like the kid's a, a natural. Um, Riley Ridley might be the best route runner in this class, but his play speed is so slow that he needs it. Like he has nothing like that excites me in his game. Like 
I know some people like Riley Ridley, but I'm not necessarily one of them. I actually, I'm happier about the guy that they got right after the draft ended. Uh, because I think Emmanuel Hall was completely mm. like shafted undrafted. I, I don't know why he went undrafted. Um, I feel like he's like a Mike Wallace type player. Yeah. And, you know, if Taylor Gabriel, I was looking at that because I, I started thinking like about Taylor Gabriel and like this Bears offense because Allen Robinson's not going anywhere. Anthony Miller's not going anywhere, but they drafted two receivers. So what does that say? Yes, we want depth because, oh my God, we lost Kevin White, but more so to do with like, are they looking down the line and saying Taylor Gabriel, we signed him last year. You know, if they, so I looked at his contract and if they were to cut Taylor Gabriel after this season, they would only uh, eat 2 million in dead money. So that's not bad. Like that's, you know, so if Emmanuel Hall does walk in and impress them, I think Emmanuel Hall is like, he could be like, he's like the sleeper that I would say in like dynasty leagues where it's like, if you're looking at a rookie draft, I know he went undrafted, but I still love the player. And it's possible that he's a starter in the bears offense next year because Riley Ridley, I know they spent a fourth round pick on him, but that might be your Allen Robinson insurance. Like if Allen Robinson were to get hurt again, I think that's where, because you're not going to have Allen Robinson, Riley Ridley and Anthony Miller on the field because you're, you you have nobody to really stretch the field at that point. Like Nagy needs that vertical threat. So uh, I think Riley Ridley is more like a, a depth guy behind like Allen Robinson if he were to get hurt. But Emmanuel Hall is the one that I'm actually more excited about. Well, I'm going to the Anthony Miller take. Um, our friends over at the Fantasy Football Astronauts are, are really high on Anthony Miller this year. I think that's yeah. uh, they're they're going to live and die by that take. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting that they, they now have three similar type of receivers there, um, you know, besides Emmanuel Hall. So, um yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens in that backfield. I mean, I think Nagy has a type of offense where a lot of people could eat, you know, and yeah. get a lot of points. Um, yeah. If there's something I would say to those guys <laughs> is that they could be right and wrong. Anthony Miller is a stud. Like, I went to Bears training camp, and he, the kid is good. He's really good. But the issue is that this offense is going to be all over the place. Like, you know, adding the running backs they did, having Cohen there, having the receivers they do, adding Corderell Patterson to change things up even more, the trick plays they run. I just feel like it's a very unpredictable offense. So you kind of just want to go with the syrup on top of all the pancakes and just take Trubisky. Yeah. You know, in this draft class, did did you have a, a favorite prospect, someone that you personally were really high on or really curious to see where he was going to go? And, um, you know, who was that guy and where did he end up? I loved Emmanuel Hall and I'm not making that up. Like that's like, you could read my profile on him. Cause like, that's the thing is people tell me like, Oh, you like Trubisky too much. No, you like him because he's, he's, he plays for the bears. I liked him in the draft before. Like all, fortunately all my takes are, are legitimately in print and they have a date on them. So you can actually see them all. And Emmanuel Hall was someone I really liked a lot. So I'm really shocked. That's why I said I was shocked to see him go undrafted. And then I was really happy to see the bears grab him. Um, another player, that I really liked. I didn't think he would go nearly as high as he did uh, is Jalen Hurd. Jalen mm-hmm. Hurd is like, that dude is a physical specimen and he can be special. He really can be. And he could be Corderell Patterson of 2019, where it's like the NFL wasn't ready for Corderell back then. But now it's like, this guy's 6'5", 230 pounds. Um, he's fast. He played running back and transitioned to wide receiver and did it very seamlessly. Uh, he's a guy that in San Francisco, I, I think he's another one of those guys that's a sleeper in rookie drafts. I think he's going outside the top 25 right now. That, that should change, and I'm probably going to do my best to make sure it does. Yeah, I like that. You know, I know you and, uh, you and Bobby were at the draft this year. The, the two-on-one crew is... You know, planning to go to the draft next year in Vegas. Uh, again, being as Raiders fans, we, we got to yeah. go, uh, when they're in, uh, the Sin City. Um, home. yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, how was it? Like, well, you know, your overall experience, uh, was it your first time? And, and yeah, what'd you think? No, it wasn't my first time in a draft, um, but it was nuts. Um, there were too many people. Um, it seemed nuts on TV. Like, it seemed insane. It was even more insane there. Like I enjoyed Nashville like a lot when me and my wife, like we went there to vacation and like, it was a good time, but it was too many people. Like we had followers, like listeners of our show that we said, we're going to be here. And it's like, they're like, I can't find you because like we were on a rooftop and you couldn't even get near this corner and you couldn't get here. You couldn't get there. Nobody could find anybody. Like it was just a madhouse. So if you lost your friends or whatever, you had to like almost get away from the draft entirely, go like multiple blocks away from the draft in order to like huddle back up with them. It was nuts. And was it hard to even get tickets? And, and, and I guess what was the situation? Cause we're they actually trying to tickets. figure it out. <laughs> yeah. They didn't do any tickets for it or anything like that. Um, it was all basically outdoors and they set up the, uh, the, um, 
the stage like right there on Broadway Street. So it was like all outside. So wow. like there, there were media that had like bleacher seats or whatever, but it was basically the same thing that the public had. So there wasn't really any special seating or anything. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah watching on TV, it was just um, one. I was, I was surprised to see people there. Uh, how many people were there day three and force, you know, there was ton of people so it just seemed like you know it was a good buzz so that would seem kind of cool you know like a situation where where everyone's really excited and hyped up but at the same time yeah it just seemed uh, nuts <laughs> for sure it, it was it was as crazy as it looked on tv it was there was so many people there um so so who who's your top fantasy players going into 2019 you know who do you think is going to make an immediate impact this year um and especially for redraft you know guys you really want to focus on Josh Jacobs is number one on that list. Um, I know a lot of people have Nikhil Harry as their number one. I have Jacobs, my number one. I have Montgomery, number two. And I have Nikhil Harry as three. Um, Nikhil Harry, I'm not as high on him as some people. Like, he landed in a good spot, obviously, playing with the Patriots. They didn't have that possession receiver. Losing Gronk, they need someone that could win those contested catches. And Harry is that guy. Um, But Josh Jacobs... I mean, Crowell went down today, and I think the Raiders kind of lucked out in terms of like, I know they signed Doug Martin to fill his spot, and I think Doug Martin is actually a better player than Isaiah Crowell. So um, I think that like by default, like like just or by happenstance, they kind of fell into Doug Martin. He knows yeah. the offense coming back, but Josh Jacobs is a three-down player. We don't know if he'll be able to handle a, a massive workload because, you know, I, I compared him to, in my rookie profile, I compared him to like Pierre Thomas. I feel like he's a player that can get a lot of touches if you really need him to, but I think he's probably best suited in like a 15 touch per game role, but he is going to, he's needed in Oakland. And the fact that they added Antonio Brown, they added Tyrell Williams. And I just feel like now you're going to see some more running lanes. You know, they're going to have to start rebuilding that offensive line. I know they've already started to move on some, from some players. Um, But Jacobs is the, is the one you don't have to worry about him getting work because he's going to. Well, and I was really hoping that Beast Mode was going to come back for this season. Yeah. I mean, he did say, you know, as long as the Raiders were in Oakland, he would be in the silver and black. And, you know, I think Bleacher Report dropped a uh, an alert today about, you know, that he might come back, you know. So I could see him coming back maybe like week 10, you know, taking mm-hmm. some time off and coming back. And especially if the Raiders, by some chance, are making a push for the playoffs, you know, that could be the spark they need, you know, to have someone like Beast Mode come back, you know, play those last few games and get him there. But I, I totally agree with you. I think Josh Jacobs is going to get the, the fastest opportunity to get on the field, you know, and it's yeah, going to play sure. possibly right away. Yeah, and he's a pass catcher, too. And we saw Carr checking down a lot to Jalen Richard last year, who's not necessarily a playmaker. So if you have Jacobs, you know, he's a, he's a bit tougher to bring down, a uh, bigger guy. And um, so that's what I'm saying. Like, it's all about opportunity for me. I think David Montgomery is going to be good, too. Um, if you if you wanted to spend a top 24 running back pick on David Montgomery, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. I think there's room for him and Cohen because – even Jordan Howard, who doesn't catch passes, um, he finishes the number 20 running back in PPR formats last year. Now, he had some big games that boasted that, but it just goes to show you that there's opportunity. Like, David Montgomery is going to score some touchdowns. So, it, it's it's often tough to find um, players who are going to to produce, like, big numbers in their first year. But what you look for, I actually did an article on this where um, what are rookies actually worth in fantasy football? And I did a study that goes back 10 years like talking about based on where they're drafted, that's where the opportunity comes from. So to know that Josh Jacobs was drafted in the first round, that's really big for him. Miles Sanders was drafted in the second round. But we also know that the Eagles and Doug Peterson, there's only been one running back who has multiple games with 40 plus snaps in a Doug Peterson offense. And the only running back that did that was Darren Sproles. And Darren Sproles is a very easy utility player that could be used in so many different ways. So I'm really curious to see what they're going to do at Miles Sanders and how many snaps he's going to play. Um, and then you have the receivers. We just know that the receivers take some time. You know, um, Harry, he's probably got the best opportunity. Marquise Brown's going to have some opportunity, but that's a, that's a run first offense. Paris Campbell, he's going to be the third wide receiver. He'll be in three wide receiver sets, which is a lot. DK Metcalf, but Russell Wilson that boosts that boosts his stock. And some of these players are going to be forced. You know, like I just ran through some names that these players are going to be forced to get on the field right away just because their team kind of needs them. Yeah. Um, but you never, almost never want to rely on wide receivers their rookie year to produce anything more than maybe like a, a wide receiver or three, wide receiver four type numbers, even in, a, in an ideal situation. Yeah, and I'm really uh, curious to see what Miles Sanders is going to do. I, I think um, he was in a really good situation in Penn State, you know, uh, being behind Saquon and, and has really came in. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, and that offense to have a really good year last year. But at the same time, yeah, like you're saying with the, with the Peterson offense, it's like, who can you really trust? You know, and, and at times people are picking up, you know, Corey Clement and Josh uh, Adams is a, he's all yeah, Josh, dead. I still think Josh Adams is a great running back. So it's very interesting. <laughs> he might get cut. Uh, he, I, I think he had surgery this off season, if I'm not mistaken. And then they went out and they grabbed Jordan Howard and now they have Miles Sanders. It just seems like he's being phased out. Yeah, crowded backfield for sure. And and even with Josh Jacobs, I mean, the the worst thing that I thought about the Josh Jacobs trade or uh, pick was just because I really like Chris Warren and I was waiting for Chris Warren yeah. to get his shot. You know, the guy's a beast. He's super big. But yeah. now I'm not sure where he fits in because the, the running back spot right now in Oakland is super deep. And I think Josh Jacobs automatically is going to get that number one. Yeah, he's going to be the number one. And Doug Martin is now going to be like somewhat of a timeshare player. Like Doug Martin's probably going to get, you know, six to ten touches per game. Um, it'll be almost all, all carries where Josh Jacobs is going to get almost all the work in the receiving game. So that's, you know, opportunities key. And mm-hmm. if that, if that Raiders offense does take a step forward, like, you know, they're expected to uh, bringing in the guys that they did on that offense, um, you know, scoring th- almost that's, that's why it's like, if someone tells me that like David Montgomery is going to be better than Josh Jacobs, do I think it's crazy to think that? No, I don't. Um, because he's part of the better offense, like overall, mm-hmm. like Matt Nagy's offense is going to produce more points. The question is, does Tariq Cohen really, really cap that? And yes, and that's why I have Josh Jacobs over Montgomery, but I don't think it's crazy. I think that they're in a, a similar tier, those two. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, uh, you know, cause there's very few bell cows left in the running back position in the NFL. I think a lot of these teams are really trying to get that rotation of players, you know, and, and, um, yeah. to keep people fresh and to keep people going. Cause we saw last year with the Rams and Todd Gurley, you know, the, you can't just keep riding that guy all year long because he's going to break down. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And that's part of what I worry about with, with, uh, Josh Jacobs is that, you know, he looks really good on film. And I think that there are good things about his game that I was just like, I walked away and I was like, you know, there's that there's some elite things about his game, but there's also something to the fact that he was in a three-way timeshare at Alabama. So essentially when he'd come into the game, he was fresh as fresh can be. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so like you have to wonder how he's going to hold up to that workload. Like that's the question mark for me. That's why this year in like dynasty drafts, if you have, you know, the number one or number two pick, it's like, Okay, if you really need a running back, you know, those are the guys. But if you need a receiver or something like that, trade back. Um, it's just, it's, I can make the case for so many guys to go over the other one. Um, that, like I said, there's question marks about Jacobs. I don't think he's a can't miss prospect where it's like, I know he's going to be into, you know, 20 touches per game and he's going to produce. Like, I can't say that first for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and then, um, and then speaking of Gurley, you know, any, any concern with with Gurley going in 2019 with them drafting Daryl Henderson? I mean, that's <laughs> yes. a pretty good running back. I was one of those people that was like, I'll take Gurley in best ball and everybody else is going to pay the price. But after Malcolm Brown went to, uh, they, you know, the Lions signed him to a, uh, an offer sheet and the Rams matched it. It was like, okay, that's a little worrisome. Um, and then you had, uh, I'm sorry, my son just came and just sat on my lap. Um, <laughs> but then you had, then like so it's like they matched it and it's like okay they care about the backup john kelly's still there and then you trade up in the third round to select daryl henderson so it's like i don't know what's going on with him but it's not good and you know my take is always like you can't win your fantasy draft in the first few rounds <laughs> but you could definitely lose your fantasy draft here bud here bud um <laughs> so like I-, I feel like todd Gurley's entered the region now where it's like you cannot you cannot um, draft him in the first round. It's just too yeah. much risk. It's it's yeah. almost like a, a Le'Veon Bell situation last year. It's not that much risk, but I just feel like it's n- there's too much risk to you know take like to take him on your team at that point. Yeah, and especially for dynasty, you know, where you're essentially banking on that guy for next however many years, you know, he's yeah. going to play. It's just so tough, and and you know, with the reports of uh, of his arthritis, and uh, mm-hmm. I think I saw TMZ, you know, God, TMZ's breaking all the all the news yeah, in the NFL. Him gimping out of that club, he was, yeah. he right. was. I watched that video, and he was like, he was walking very gingerly, and right. like I'm. It wasn't like a little hitch, like whatever. He was like gimping around and this is months later. And it's like, maybe there's something to all this. Yeah. Yeah. And I first heard about, I was like, okay, maybe it's just like his, he's doing like a gangster lean or something, you know, cause he's from Georgia. <laughs> like, you know, and, yeah. and I saw it I was like, nah, he's holding on to somebody. That's not good. Yeah. No, it's definitely not good. So, um, you know, for, for rookies, uh, keeping that combo alive, um, you know, who, who's your, who's your sleeper? Who's your fantasy rookie sleeper for this year? Who do you think, um, 
you know, is that guy that, that no one really are thinking about me. And I think uh, Mikol Hardman is probably the, the the popular pick right now, but it's almost like he's no longer a sleeper. Right. Some people have moved him up to like number one on their board. I'm like, really? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I believe in, I believe that the offense matters, but I wouldn't know. Um, I think I'd stick with Jalen Hurd actually, just because like he's, you have Debo Samuel, you have, um, why is his name escaping me right now? Um, <laughs> Dante Pettis. Pettis. Yeah. I don't know why his like name escaped me for a moment. <laughs> then you have Marquise Goodwin. Like none of these guys are big possession receivers that are, I don't want to say possession receivers. They kind of, they're like a Jarvis Landry type receivers where you don't want them yeah. to be your number one. Uh, can they catch a lot of passes? Sure. Where Jalen Hurd can be like a big body. And it's like the guy that's like, if Jimmy Garoppolo is in trouble, if he develops a rapport with him, it's like you have George Kittle and you have Jalen Hurd. And the fact that they reached for him in the third round tells me they liked him an awful lot because he was someone I thought could be having like fifth or sixth round because he's considered like a, a developmental and I'm putting that in quotes prospect, but he developed really fast as a wide receiver. So I'm interested to see what Shanahan can do with him and uh, Garoppolo. You know, that offense should be a little bit more pass heavy because Jared McKinnon and Tevin Coleman are not they're not like running down your throat type running backs. Yeah. Well, and besides the, uh, the fourth round pick of the punter, I mean, I think they had a really good draft and, you know, going back to back receivers with Debo and Jalen, um, you know, I think their offense is, is going to come on strong and, and, you know, might uh, surprise a few people next year. I mean, they had, you know, obviously we all saw what Kittle did last year and, um, you know, but with Garoppolo back and, um, you know, I, I think, uh, and McKinnon back too, I think, you know, they're, they're going to be a force in the NFC West. Yeah, I, I found the Tevin Coleman signing a little odd, but then it's like, okay, I, I mean, I just don't know what they're going to do with Brita. Like, it, I, I, like to have McKinnon, Brita, and Tevin Coleman, it's like, it's a little overkill, and Brita's really cheap, so you're not just going to cut him. Um, but I did like their offseason an awful lot, like adding D Ford, adding Quan Alexander, and then yeah. and, you know, uh, Jason Verrett. I think that's an awesome like player just to like put on your roster and like just hope he comes back from injury and he's a good player because you really need him to be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so in your eyes, uh, who won the draft? Who won the draft? That's a, that's so <laughs> tough. Um, <laughs> it feels weird to say this, but I think that the Titans might have won the draft. And um, in my oh, eyes, yeah. just because like Jeffrey Simmons is like, a, he might be a top five player in this draft. Like he's so talented. Um, I like him a lot. And him alongside once his, you know, once his knee's better, uh, alongside Jarrell Casey, it's going to be nasty. Um, yeah. AJ Brown late in the second, like, that was a steal. Um, I really I wish AJ's they hadn't. AJ is a great I, receiver. Yeah. I, I just really wish that the Titans had not signed Adam Humphreys uh, because they had a, te- I mean, I don't want to say terrible, uh, but that was like one of my least favorite signings of the offseason. He got paid way too much money. Um, AJ Brown should be in that role. Corey Davis, Taewon can play on the perimeter, but now you're pushing Taewon to the bench. DeAndre Walker in the fifth round. I really like that pick a lot. Um, as an edge rusher because they needed someone with Arako retiring. I know they brought in Cameron Wake, but that's kind of like a stopgap. So I think DeAndre Walker is like an upside player from Georgia. I, I just felt like Tennessee had a really good draft. Yeah. And, and, and AJ, as that pick to Tennessee was actually one of the ones I was correct on with my mock draft, but I was just wrong with the the, the round that it was going to get drafted in. You know, so I <laughs> yeah. had to go to the first round of Tennessee because he fits. Uh, you know, I was reading up on, on, on their offense and, you know, they're kind of looking for that Ram style scheme, right? Where they have like mm-hmm. multiple or at least three really strong receivers. And I thought he'd fit really, uh, fit in there really well. Um, so yeah, seeing him get picked up in the second round, I thought was great. And, and Jeffrey Simmons, yeah, is a beast. It's just, you know, I, I actually thought he was going to drop to the second just because of his knee and that injury, but, mm-hmm. um, the guy's versatile. You know, he can play multiple positions on the defensive front. And, uh, yeah, I would agree with you. They, they definitely had a great draft. And, um, but still, I, I think I was a little surprised to hear you say the tie-ins. But when I look at it, I, I get it. I can see that. Yeah, they didn't have too many picks. Um, but I think that, like, they nailed it when it mattered most in those first couple picks. Because those are the players that you're supposed to, like, take little risk on. And I just feel like they got really, really solid players. And then beyond that, I like some upside of the players. Because once you get outside the top four rounds, a lot of the players, you're kind of just like, all right, there's some upside here. And it's like, yeah. it was, it was also a position of need for them when they took Deandre Walker. So that's why I like that pick. Yeah, I like it. So, so one thing we do here on, uh, on the two on one fantasy football podcast is, is always drop free nuggets to, uh, to our listeners and, you know, just little words of advice or, uh, during the season, it's players, you know, worth picking up or uh, advice for the next uh, week. So do you have any free nuggets for our listeners? I, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got, and I'll always try and pass it on is that once, you know, you're going to have your draft and everybody's going to be great. Everybody's going to tell you that ADP is this ADP is that don't reach too much. And you know, there's, there's truth to that, but once you have your draft and once week one is played, literally throw ADP out the window. (laughs) 
Like, right. like, like so many people look at it. Like if you go to make a trade, right. People will be like, I drafted this guy in the third round. Yeah. I don't care. That I don't you care. Him in the third round. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this is his role now. Like, do, do you not want to trade him? And it's like, that's when you should be taking advantage of people. Because if, if you drafted a player, like let's say it's Tariq Cohen, for example, you draft him in the, in the third or fourth round and you know, David Montgomery comes out and he's the workhorse and, and Tariq Cohen is getting, you know, say in week one, he gets, you know, four carries, he gets five receptions. He has a decent game and you're like, okay, David Montgomery is a real player and he's going to steal a lot of work from him. Understand that you're going to have, you're going to miss some games with Tariq Cohen. But if you go to trade him to someone, it's like, they'll be like, oh, he paid a third or fourth round pick for him. It's getting a steal because he had a down game. Forget ADP. Like that's, it's, it's something that so many people hold on to and they start players because they drafted him here and they drafted this guy here. Forget about it. Like look at opportunity. And uh, that's basically what I try and highlight in the primer when I do it is just that, you know, talk about the players that are getting the opportunity. Who are, who's playing the snaps? You know, Jay and Jai's week one last year, wasn't it, was it an, an anomaly or is he going to do that every week? And I would have told you that it was fake because he's just not playing enough snaps. You don't want to rely on touchdowns that much. So um, yeah, forget ADP after week one. Yeah. Well, and, and especially for trades, because I, I mean, sometimes pl- people make bad choices, you know, and we had yep. someone in our league in 2014. I think it was 2014. He, he selected Doug Martin overall number one. And yep. it was after he had like a great year and he was a big Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. So I, I get it. It was, you know, a homer pick for him. But if you went off of that, then that's, you know, you're basing everything out. Well, I got him over one overall. I'm like, who cares? Like he had a terrible year. You know, like <laughs> you can't base it on ADP. It has to be production. It has to be how they're doing. Or the outlook of how they're going to be, you know, and if you could see it early enough ahead of time that they're going to break out, that's the time to grab that guy. Absolutely. You got it. The last question I have for you, it, <laughs> it comes from DFF Shane on Twitter and, uh, and so it was on Twitter and from the Dynasty Trades HQ podcast. So, so DFF Shane and I, we, we recently got into a Dynasty startup league together and, and I asked, you know, does anyone here have any questions for tags? And, and so he wants to know, what is it going to take for him to get a follow from you on Twitter? He said he writes for Fantasy Pros. You're in a league together, apparently, and he's Twitter famous. So what's I going thought, on? I thought <laughs> I did follow Shane. Uh, if I didn't, I'm sorry, Shane. Um, I do know we play. We play in. Is, it might be two leagues together. I don't remember. Um, but I do know we're in at least one together. And I did talk to him. I, if I'm not, I'm gonna I'm gonna rectify this. So I'm sorry, Shane. That's me. That's me apologizing. I'm sorry. We were, we were rousing him because he, he came up with that answer pretty quick. We're like, wow, you've been thinking about this for a little bit, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. And no, I, I know how that feels sometimes where you're just like, I, I wonder why this guy's not following me. But uh, <laughs> believe me, it happens. I'm actually blocked by some guy. I can't remember his name, but I, he works for CBS. Not any of the guys I know. Like I know Eisenberg and Iser and those guys, but there's someone that works for one of those. And I'm like, like muted. Like I can't see his tweets and people retweet. Oh, wow. and I'm like, I don't even know who this guy is, but I'm blocked by him. And it's like huh. the weirdest thing. So I, I can understand that. And I'm not going to block you, Shane. I'm going to follow you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we recently got, well, not recently, but a little bit ago, got, uh, we got blocked by Cole, Ble- Cole Beasley. Uh, and I, I later found out, I think he deleted his Twitter. So that's why it was showing up like that. But, you know, it happened because I was just talking about, I want to see Cole and Le'Veon Bell do a rap battle, you know, because they're two, two guys in the league trying to, you know, rap. And so I want to see a battle. <laughs> Cole Beasley's you know. better. Yeah, he just didn't like it though. Apparently, so he blocked me. But whatever. <laughs> oh, that's that's a shame. But uh, yeah, no, it definitely does. But uh, no, <laughs> Shane, that's funny. I t- I just followed him, so he's he, he's taken care of. I thought nice. I thought I was following him, but that's on me. There you go, Shane. Got you your follow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just don't DM me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, right on tags. We, we appreciate it so much for you coming on the two on one. We, uh, we're big fans. We, we listen to the, the fancy pros podcast, uh, pretty regularly. It's definitely in our normal rotation. Um, we always look forward to the primer that you put out every week. It's one of the best things that I've ever seen, uh, in the fancy football industry as far as the, the depth of knowledge that you put in and, and the time and, and just the care you can tell that you put into, to each, uh, each player you're talking about and writing about. And, and, you know, we, we always look forward to that. So. You know, can you let uh, let the listeners know where they can find you on social media? Yeah, man, I appreciate that more than you know. Uh, it's always good to hear that. Um, so on social media, on Twitter, I am pretty much anywhere. Honestly, I think Instagram. I had to start one of those to show my personality. I was told. Um, <laughs> but on Twitter, I'm at Mike Taglier NFL. It's the same thing on Instagram. You could find all my work on FantasyPros.com. Um, yeah, the primer is it's it's my heart and soul. Everything I have, um, I write. It's about thirty thousand words a week. Um, that go into that. And um, yeah, an, an average novel is like 60,000 words. So 
that, that should tell you how, how much work goes into it. So um, I appreciate you saying that, man. Well, and that was the other thing I heard is that you're, you're trying to write a novel. Is that correct? I am. That's that's something like that I, I wanted to do in the off season where it's like, okay, I got some downtime away from football and that hasn't happened yet. So um, I, I told my wife actually today, it was it's May 1st and I had to do punter rankings, believe it or not. Um, so I'm like, now I have May and June. This is like supposed to be the time where it's like I need to get writing. So I'm actually debating taking like just telling my boss being like, I'm going to take a week and just go somewhere like and go into like a cabin uh, with no internet and just... Um, Right, because like I'm, I'm like sixteen thousand words into the novel, but it, it's at the point where it needs my full attention. Where it's like I can't go any further without like diving into it. So, um, it's been a goal of mine. Uh, it's you know this is the second year I'm working on it. Um, just little here and there, but now I just I wanted to finish it this off season. So I'm hoping <laughs> that I can get away from football for just a little bit, just enough to write that and then get right back into football. But uh, I can never stray too far away. Yeah, well, well, good luck with uh, getting the novel finished. And, and yeah, don't stray too far away because we'll definitely all miss uh, hearing your takes. And um, again, thank you for coming on the pod. Good luck with uh, the rest of uh, Fancy Pros podcast and, and, and all your writing. And um, yeah, we'll catch you on Twitter. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. All right, right on. All right, so that does it for part one of our NFL draft recap. Stay tuned for part two dropping soon with the two-on-one crew giving you our takes for the NFL draft. Thanks for stopping by. That boy good.